welcome to the Acts 29 podcast, another resource for planting churches worldwide. And I am your host, Jeff Metters, the Director of Assessment for Acts 29. And on today's show, we're joined by Will Basham, and we're talking about buying a church building, something every church planner uh, prays for, longs for, and is excited for when that day arrives. Well, Will, welcome to the Acts 29 podcast again. Howdy, Jeff. It's good to be back on the show. It's good to see you, man. Uh, listeners, if they don't know you, they will was born and raised in West Virginia. How often do you get that? I bet that happens all, all the time. time. But I love all it. Yeah, I mean, how could my kids love that song? Everybody loves that song. Yeah, yeah. I don't know all the words. I know that. And is Mountain Mama is that one of the words too? It is. Yeah, we have to. We actually like we can't graduate from high school unless we sing it in a test. So <laughs> we all have to know it by the time we're adults. Yeah, I bet y'all do in, in your schools. You do the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, yeah, to the flag, and then that's, you sing. That's right. Yeah, uh, I don't even what's the name. I don't even know the name of the song. Country Roads. Country Roads by there John Denver. Yeah, there it is. Uh, you've married your high school sweetheart, Amanda. You got five kids. Planted and pastoring New Heights Church there in Milton, West Virginia. Serve as uh, an RD in X twenty nine, doing all kinds of great stuff for us. And he wrote Rural Mission: Insights from a Rural Church Planter. Will Basham. All right, Will. Anything I missed that you want to tell the the great listeners of the X29 podcast about you, yourself, and, and what you do for X29? Man, I'm just a uh, kind of a normal, normal guy. I always make a joke, and it is a joke, but I always make a joke that I didn't leave West Virginia until until I became a pastor and started going to conferences. But <laughs> uh, we, we really only went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. That was the only place we went yeah. outside of the state. But yeah, just kind of born and raised, um, where I am right now and, um, never really went far. And, um, and God's used a very simple person like myself to do some cool things. And, um, and, and we're just, you know, trying to keep the work going and, um, continue to plant churches in the mountain state. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful life that I get to live here. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's one of the few States I haven't been to yet in our, in our great nation. We should change that. States. Let's need, change it. Yeah, we need yeah. to we need to get you out here sometime Let's, soon. Yeah, I need to experience West Virginia. Yeah, I've been in uh, normal or not normal. I've been in the I guess East Virginia, <laughs> normal Virginia. Yeah, I always call it Virginia. East Virginia. Yeah, but it's far from normal. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's that's for sure. All those uh, Grimke guys out there. That's and, right. Uh, Remnant Church and and, and yeah. many others. Got to watch out for them. All right. Okay. Well, well, let's, we've, we started some of these shows with listener questions that we've got sent in. And now we've got one from Matt Kruger, who I know down here in the Houston area. Shout out to you, to you, Matt. Um, he sent in this question, Saber metrics for church planting. How do we think about metrics for church, the right metrics to ensure the health of the body and the advancing of the gospel? Now, now, if you don't know what Saber metrics is, it's a, um, stats and analytics and all this kinds of stuff made famous by the movie Moneyball um, and what they did out, out there. And I think it was Oakland A's and how they really leaned into stats and uh, analytics to predict performance and look for health and, and all that kinds of stuff and success. So saber metrics for church planting. I, I love the the juxtaposition here. What, what do you think about this question, Will? It's a great question and I love it. Um, but it's also a dangerous question because if we put our, um, if we put our, emphasis on the wrong metrics, then it can really have a theological um, misaligning, right? Um, now, my undergraduate, before I started studying theology, was in accounting. So mm. I love numbers. I love crunching numbers. Um, 
I'm proficient in Excel. Don't we all put that on a resume? Like everyone's proficient <laughs> no, in Excel. I am uh, not. No, I'm, I'm the but we all say we are. Excel. Like we yeah, can't right. actually do anything, but you know, we say we are. But um, I, I think metrics are very good. So one of the things that um, like we're preparing for our annual meeting right now at our church and um, some of our staff was giving me a hard time because I have like a line graph of attendance trends and things like that. Um, now you don't want to place all your hope in those things, but you don't want to ignore those things either. And so, um, so attendance is important and you're trending on attendance. Is it increasing? I mean, I think that is a healthy metric. You, you should want your attendance to increase. Um, but then you should want to see some very sudden drops in attendance, um, when you plant and when you send people out for, for a mission. Um, but I think, I think conversions, your, your main metric that obviously as Christians, we're praying for conversions, um, we at our church measure that the metric we use is baptism. We call baptism the biblical profession of faith. But, um, but whether, you know, if you're, if you're Pado Baptist, you might have a little bit different metric for that kind of thing. But, um, cause we're Credo Baptist. But, um, but I think measuring, are we seeing people come to Christ and are, yeah. is evangelism happening? Um, I think that that probably should be the number one metric of a church are our people being discipled to the point that they understand the mission of God and then they go out and draw other people into the family of God. Um, and, and when I see those numbers start to creep down, then it, it prompts, I think, a healthy passion from our elder team to really emphasize to the church. Um, hey, saints, we need to equip you to share the, share the gospel. Right. Um but then, of course, you don't you don't throw out your other met- metrics like attendance and you know, your giving trends and and things like that as well. And so, um, and then there's some things that just aren't you can't put on an Excel sheet, like the spiritual depth of your church. And those things just has to, have to come up, I think, frequently in conversation among your leadership, elder teams, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what are our people lacking in? Do they understand? this tenet of theology like they should? Um, do we need to focus more on this? You know, so forth and so on. Yeah, I love it, man. I, I think that is a good word, essential to come back to. Um, are we seeing people be be born again? Yeah, because you know, in, in some ways, like I think there are some churches that, and, and church plants can get into this danger of they just kind of become Bible studies with music and childcare, mm-hmm. and that's not. We do study the scriptures, we do open God's word and look at it together, but this is also uh, meant to be a place of mission. Um, and, and where we're headed together. So it's not just a bunch of people gathering and studying the scriptures together. Yeah. And it can movement. It can throw some radars off too. Like if you're seeing membership and attendance trend upward, but baptisms aren't, or they're trending downward. And it's like, okay, are we just gathering Christians from other churches or like you said, doing Bible studies and, and people are coming from other places, but we're not seeing conversion. We're not actually accomplishing what the mission is. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the being dissatisfied with the sheep swapping. I mean, we want every Christian to be in a church where they're thriving and growing, but that can't be the only way right. our, our churches are growing. Um, and that does get to the, we lift the hood on the metric and go, okay, well, how is this metric happening? Um, you know, you look at giving, I, I think that that matters is significant. I think it's all contextual too, to your area, to your, your community. And so that it's going to be different for every church, uh, what that metric is going to look like. And it's, some of it is kind of the intangibles, like the fruits of the spirit. I, I don't know how you measure fruits of the spirit other than by experiencing it, um, seeing it among the people, uh, hearing stories, hearing reports from group leaders. And I think you can see multiplication. Are, are we, are leaders being raised up? Uh, because you lift the hood on that metric and it's, oh, disciples are being made. Mm-hmm. Oh, people are growing in their faith. People are d- discovering spiritual gifts. 
Uh, people are being sent out. Uh, we're sending out missionaries. We're supporting missionaries. And so, uh, I mean, all of these really do matter. And we do want to grow. We want to bear fruit. We want to see Christ do things among us. And so I, I love the question because I don't think we should, um, I don't think we should be afraid of looking at trends and looking at what God is doing. Right. Obviously, we know acts, reports, numbers. We we see things communicated, um, and then we also see a metric like when Paul meets Barnabas, um, and or when Barnabas is described the first time we meet him in the Book of Acts. I think it's in Acts chapter eleven. He was a good man, mm-hmm. full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Mm-hmm. And so that's that. Those are metrics we look for. Yeah, a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and and of faith. He just can't put on that on, on an Excel sheet. Um, and that frustrates but, me, um, but yeah, I wish everything could go on Excel because <laughs> I'm proficient. Yeah, so, yeah well, man, I, Google Sheets. Uh, who even uses Excel anymore? You, do you I do. Listen, let, yeah, we have this. We have this like internal fight among our elder team because one of our uh, one of our elders is very pro Google Sheets, and I'm always like, "Hey, check out this attached Excel document," and he's like, "Well, <laughs> can you put that over into a Google Sheet?" And so it's a yeah, like, it's a battle. On. It's a battle. It's a battle. But unity in Christ. That's right. Christ. That's right. This podcast is not sponsored by Microsoft today <laughs> or Google or Google for that matter. Uh, yeah. So I, I love the question, Matt. Thank you for sending that in. Um, I can tell you that we've we've talked and Will, you, you answered it so beautifully, beautifully that the emphasis on conversion and one of the things, a uh, metric that we're looking for in Acts 29 is in our assessment process now is conversion. Mm hmm. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, one of the requirements to enter into their pastor's college, one of the metrics they looked for, if you're doing saber metrics on church planners and pastors, is they wanted somebody who people were getting converted from their preaching, mm-hmm. that from their ministry, people were born again. And so now in the assessment process, you know, we have uh, standard conditions in the United States to move from candidate to, to partner with us is 40 committed adults. That's kind of just been a saber metric over time of gathering, you know, more than your family, a critical mass of, of people that God's working among you. And then, but to not just have the sheep swapping, we've added another condition of, has someone been born again in the church plant? Has someone's been led to Christ. Someone's been converted through the preachings, personal evangelism, whatever it may be. Someone has been born again because we're an evangelistic uh, church planting network. And that's what we want to see. Yeah. So we want to be the people that we want to raise that banner high and go, we want to see people be born again. Um, that's a metric that I'm, I'm really concerned about. And I, I want to celebrate and mm-hmm. rejoice yeah. and together to celebrate baptisms in your church, to celebrate conversions in a church down the street. Uh, Cause that's, that's what we're doing yep. when we plant churches worldwide. Yeah, man. That's a good metric to have. Hello, friends. My name is Jen Oshman. How might we welcome the people of our communities into our church services? How might we put the always needed, eternally relevant, forever glorious love of Jesus on display so that others might be brought in? How can we make space for everyone? I'd love for you to join me in exploring welcoming as a critical element of church life. In my book, Welcome, we'll consider how Jesus welcomes us and how he has equipped his church to be a people of welcome. We'll look at practical ways of welcoming on Sunday and every day. Read this book on your own to be strengthened to welcome others or read it together with your church family using the free small group kit to kick off conversations about what it means to welcome as the body of Christ. Okay, well, let's let's get into what we talked about today. Church buildings, getting a space. After 10 years of renting different spaces, 
your church has now decided to purchase a building. What has that process been like uh, for you and, and your team? Uh, give us give us the story. Bring us into that process for you guys. Yeah, so uh, just a little bit of our context. We uh, Our church was planted in 2012, so we're a little over 10 years in. And uh, I planted in a small town called Milton and uh, less than 3,000 people in our town. Um, and the impact of that on real estate um, is, is a really interesting dynamic for us because what it does is it makes real estate affordable, makes it very cheap actually. Um, but it also means there's not very much there. And so mm. we were like, just like looking around our, um, I mean, as we grew and as we started renting, we, for the first like six years, we rented a school and just had it on Sundays. And then we, and then we rented like our own space, you know, 24 seven type space, which is what we meet in currently. And, um, and we we're praying for, you know, something bigger. And as we looked at like what would hold our gathered church, like the only buildings in town um, that that would really hold us were churches. And so it's like, well, we don't want to pray for the downfall of these existing churches right. so that we could get a building. Um, and there's just a couple of places, you know, here and there around the town, but, um, but not much. And so it took a lot of patience and a lot of just kind of watching the market and, um, the building that we just recently purchased is an old theater and, um, and it was just kind of abandoned and disrepair, but it's, um, 700 feet down the street from where our current building is that we're renting. And so the, the location was perfect. It came up for sale by owner. It wasn't through a realtor or anything like that. And, um, it, it was one of those things we could just look and say, man, that was definitely in God's timing. Um, we were frustrated in the past 10 years, you know, with real estate stuff. Um, but it definitely came in God's timing. So much so that that the at our ten year anniversary service, that's when we signed the purchase contract, and wow. and uh, you know we couldn't have planned that. That was just when the owner put it up for sale, and when we ended up negotiating the right price and things like that. That uh, the owners were like, "All right, well, we'll have this contract ready to sign, and uh, when can we drop by?" And I was like, "Well, you can drop by at church, you know, Sunday." And so they yeah. come and ten year anniversary service right after church, we signed the purchase contract, and so ten years to the day, you know, we purchased the building, and um, so we bought this old theater down the street from us, and that. Now we're in the process of, of renovating that. Wow, man, that's so cool. I, I, those kinds of moments like that were obvious, were meaningful moments, milestone moments. That's it, always very, very neat. Okay, so you know, some sometimes planters they they don't want to be in a building or they think about not having a building. I, I've seen some churches where they've made a philosophical decision to you know just rent and rent and, and rent. So there's different ways to to think about it. But as you guys are now buying buying this facility, making it your your kind of outpost there in the community. Um, how do you hope this new building is going to benefit both the church and, and the surrounding community? Because th- there's always the concern like, well, we don't just want to, you know, now become insular and then just exactly. focus on ourselves. Yeah. So what do you guys think? We, we probably honestly could have purchased earlier, um, but we didn't want to overextend ourselves. It was, it was a question of priorities. And I think church planters really have to, wherever you fall on it, I think church planters really need to wrestle with this. Um, how soon are we going to prioritize real estate? Um, that is an important question to ask. And I think if you prior over prioritize it, you can, you can really cast a wrong vision to your people. If you under prioritize it, um, I think you can, you can sell 
a lack of permanency to some people. But then the philosophical choice of wherever you land, I think if you own it well, you can do it well. Um, because we all know theologically the church is not a building. Um, the church yeah. is, is the people of God. And, and, um, and so we have to emphasize that so much, especially now that we've purchased a building because people are like, Oh, this is, you know, this is where we're going to wrap up our whole identity. And so, um, so as we begin the process of renovation, we, we want our structure, our, our property to exist for the purpose of God's mission primarily. Um, and so, so that, that's just it. Like we're you leveraging the things that we have, the assets that we have, just like an individual would as a church for God's glory and his mission. And so that needs to be the primary goal. Um, but then there's some community benefit that can come with that as well. And so like one of the things we're going to do at our building is we're going to um, we're going to let uh, freestanding business have the front portion of it so that we can open a coffee shop. Um, you can't get a cappuccino or a latte or anything like that in our town. That just doesn't exist. You got to drive out of our town. And so that's coming to our town. People aren't going to know what it is, but they'll love it once they, (laughs) once they, once they figure out that a coffee shop is a thing. Um, so we'll have like that business that'll be open like Monday through Saturday. And, um, our hope is that we have non-Christian people kind of passing through the doors of our building. Um, our office, you know, be upstairs. And so when I'm coming to work or, you know, jumping on the next podcast with Jeff matters, I'm, I'm walking through this coffee shop to get to my workspace. And, um, and, and our prayer is that it's creating a lot of gospel opportunity and conversations that can come up about, Hey, what happens in the other part of this building? Or what about this church that meets here? That sort of thing. And, and, and then just even subtle things in the design, like we, we wanted to make sure to have like shower facility and stuff like that. Like if there's an emergency, we want to be able to open our mm-hmm. arms and say, Hey, if there's an emergency in our town, like y- you can, you can come here. This can be a place of refuge. Um, last year, I think it was, we had a really bad ice storm and we had power out people freezing and, and we had wow. you know people just kind of sleeping in our, in our rented church space here, but not able to shower. And so we're thinking through things like that. How can we practically have whatever we need to, yeah. to offer to, to people who need it? Man, that's, that's a great word to anyone that's beginning the process. Or as you think about it years down the road of, uh, we're getting a building because, as planters and pastors, sometimes we do think, all right, we do, we got to serve our, ch- our church and our people the best. And we want to have that. We got to make sure we have this many kids rooms and let's have right. this kind of office space. And let's, oh, we got to have, you know, this kind of facility for this and let's do this for the students. And those are all in adult education. That's, that's all great stuff. But as you pointed out, it's so good. Don't forget the mission aspect of your facility. Um, do you, are you going to have a closet for a, maybe a, we have this thing in Texas called them a Moses closet. That's clothes for people that are in foster care and uh, the, you can support them. Are you going to have stuff for pregnancy center? Do you have, do you have a big enough facility that you could house other ministries or do a missional, you know, outreach in the community? So all that stuff is so good to think through and not just go and not just be excited about, Oh, we don't have to set up anymore. Yeah. And one of the things we've talked about a lot is um, like the reality is once we move in, we're probably not going to be changing a bunch of stuff. We might say like, yeah, we can add that later. But like the reality is once you're in there, you're probably not. Right. And so we're trying to think way far ahead. What could, we, what could we possibly need? Like the shower thing, people were like, why are we doing a shower? It's like, well, this could happen. This could happen. This could happen. And, you know, my wife might not want me home one night and I might need it to, you know, whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah, so you got, you yeah. got all these, you know, things we're just trying to be prepared for. So. Yeah. And it's, it's cheaper to do it now. Yeah. 
than it is in the future for to sure. go back and yeah. cut up the concrete and add pipes and add drains. Yeah, and then and you're that. renting space to to move the gatherings, you know, while you're working on stuff. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've watched enough restaurant impossible <laughs> and uh, home renovation and uh, yeah. uh what's I mean fixer upper. Yeah. I've I've watched enough of those to know. That's right. Do it now. That's right. Do it now. Okay, well we know that you mean building projects like these, all of them, no matter the the space and the size and the community, they all require a ton of time and resources. And so how is this, you know, I know it can be draining even as you are building, but how is this process you guys have engaged? How has it encouraged you? And, and even what are some of the challenges you faced along the way, but, but remain encouraged? To do this. Um, and I think having a, having a property to put with a goal really, really has helped and will probably help church planters. Um, as if you're a church planter and you're, and you're looking or, or praying about a permanent facility, um, having, having a plan in place, um, will enable people to give to, toward that plan. And, um, and one of the, I think the most encouraging thing thus far in, in the project was, um, I'm, I was able to reach out to our sister churches in Acts 29 and just say, Hey, would you guys pray about this? Pray about giving toward this. And, um, and we met our goal of outside support. So we wanted our people to mm-hmm. do a certain portion. We wanted to finance a certain portion. And we were praying that some of our friends, um, churches in Acts 29 would step up and say, we'll help with a certain portion of this. And so yeah. we hit that goal and it was such a blessing because there was a little bit, I mean, if I'm just honest, there's, there's pride that creeps in. I mean, I'm the regional director. So it's like as a regional director, a guy in leadership, am I going to ask guys who I'm supposed to be leading to give me money? There's, there's that comes into play. And I was like, you know what? We're brothers and um, there's a real need here. And so sent out an email and, uh, you know, even the responses of, Hey, we can't give at this time. We're so encouraging to my soul. Um, Just like, Hey, we're for you. We love you. We're so excited about what's going on in West Virginia um, to flip this theater into a house of worship and a refuge in your community. And so um, even, I think one of the coolest things is a church that we support monthly and we have sent a lot of money to gave, gave a, a portion of the money back to us to say, wow. put this store, you know, because it was an opportunity for that young church plant to build into their DNA. It was Ricky Love in Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. So he was able to teach Wellspring Church, like we're going to be a church that gives toward other causes. And so, um, and so even stuff like that, it was just such an encouraging to encouraging thing to see that. Yeah, man. Okay. Well, what was like the, uh, the campaign? Did y'all do a, obviously y'all did some kind of campaign. What did you name it? <laughs> we, we actually didn't do a full on campaign. Um, so we, uh, we, we had, we had actually done that before and failed at it. Um, and the property didn't work out. And so we, we said, Hey, we're not going to do a capital campaign. We're instead, we're going to call our people to just consistent and faithful giving. And so we gave them an opportunity to give at the end of last year toward the project. Um, and a number of people did that, but, but we said, if you're not, like faithfully giving. This is something the Bible calls you to. And I think, I think what was cool was we were able to put in front of the church, like if, if all our members faithfully gave like they should, regardless of how much money you make, um, regardless if it's a tithe or 10%, if you just give faithfully, we can handle this. Like, like our pastors aren't taking us into something that we can't financially do unless you empty your bank accounts in an act of faith. We're okay. doing something very responsible, 
but we need you to be faithful. And, um, and so we just call people to that. And then we had a membership renewal process. And so here's where the campaign name comes in. Jeff is we called it remember. Um, so you member up again, remember. And so you yeah, remember yeah. your uh, membership covenant and part of that covenant was faithful giving. And so we're in the process now of people renewing their partnership with our church and covenant membership. And then, um, part of that is just, uh, making sure they're giving faithfully and regularly. It's mm, good. It's a good word. Acts 29 is excited to announce our 2023 Advance Conferences. Advance Conferences are regional training and assessment events that bring together new and aspiring church planters, dynamic thinkers, and proven practitioners. Whether you've been involved in church leadership for three decades or your church plant is just beginning this year, every Acts 29 leader, both men and women, will benefit from these events. Conferences are going to be held this year in Raleigh, North Carolina, Omaha, Nebraska, Dallas, Texas, and Portland, Oregon. And registration is open now for our first event in Raleigh, North Carolina, March 6th through 8th. You can learn more by going to acts29.com slash advance23. We hope you'll join us for one of these exciting events this year. What wisdom would you share for church planners who are interested in purchasing the building or, or getting in a permanent space? Maybe they're eyeing something in their community. They're looking at a theater. They see this abandoned storage facility yeah. or, or whatever it may be. Uh, what would you encourage these brothers with? Number one thing is be patient. Um, if you're if you're listening to the podcast and you don't have a permanent space and you want one, you might not want one, uh, but if you want one, um, I think there's an easy avenue of jealousy. I remember, you know, year seven, eight nine and hearing about guys in year two getting this like building that fell into their lap for a good price. Right. And I'd be like, I hate that guy, you know, just like, <laughs> and, and so like, you know, not in a serious sense, but a little bit, maybe, you know, um, yeah. that jealousy creeps in. It's like, Lord, why have you not given us this? And, and I think, um, in hindsight, you know, we we're able to look and see that the timing of it again was just sovereign and perfect. And so the number one advice I would give, um, is be patient and um, the second thing, and, and this would be the last thing, would just be wise. Um, it, I mean, Jesus taught us that, that no one goes into battle without counting the cost and no one begins to, to build without making sure he's got his budget and his supplies. And, and um, you really don't want to find yourself, um, it'll kill a church. You don't want to find yourself overextending mm-hmm. yourself uh, for the sake of something that you don't have to have theologically or biblically. And so um, you need to be very wise about that. Seek a lot of counsel, talk to a lot of people, um, but also keep your eyes open and and always look at the market. You know, yeah. um, always look at what may come available and be open to whatever the Lord may put in your path. And I'll add, I'll add a little caution at the end because, you know, you and I both, we interact with church planners a, a lot. And, um, I was a pastor for 10 years and I, so I know like there, there's all kinds of temptations in there that when the opportunity comes up to get a building or, you know, you want to get a building to really burrow down into your soul and go, you know, the Proverbs tell us that some people put their hopes in and horses and some put their hopes in chariots. Uh, but we put our hope in the Lord, our God, mm-hmm. that getting a building is not going to fix your problems. That's right. It uh, might bring your problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It might, it may bring more, right. uh, g- getting a facility is not going to solve the disunity amongst your elders. Getting a facility is not going to make your preaching become better. Um, like getting a facility is not going to make you a better leader. I mean, like there's, there are still other things you have to work on and getting a facility is not a supplement for the work of the spirit, That's right. um, in our community, because I've seen churches, I've been a part of them that have awful facilities and they're terrible location, 
horrible children's buildings and run in three services mm-hmm. and packed out, no parking, mm-hmm. all of it, because God is, God is moving and God, God is among them. Jesus is lifted high there and people are being drawn to Christ. And so don't, don't put your hope in a facility, get it. Just don't put your hope in it. Some of the periods of greatest conversion and in, in the story of New Heights Church came like um, a year or two before we moved out of the school. So we're like maybe five years in and we we're seeing some of the highest rates of conversion and baptism that we have seen ever in the life of our church mm-hmm. still haven't matched to this day. And that was at a time where we're meeting in what was called a cafetorium. And our kids yeah. ministry, one of our kids classes was in this room that had a mold problem. And we were just like doing everything we can to like keep kids safe. And we had these like machines that we had to set up every, I mean, it was just a disaster. It was not ideal at all. Um, but, but it was, what was important was the gospel was being preached and the Holy spirit was moving and drawing people to yeah. himself. So. Yeah. Amen. I remember we, we had these kids buildings, they were, mobile home like trailers that had been like kind of converted into kid spaces, but, and they, they were not high quality ones. They were not ideal at all. And they were just on this property. And one Sunday is like, it smells horrible in here. What is going on? Um, a possum had died like in between <laughs> like the subfloor. Yeah. Uh, and then there were fleas and stuff. We had to like close it down. Oh, the man. normal fit, like I think it was thirty to forty kids are going to be in this building. Yeah, and we had to close it because of fleas and a dead possum. Man, that could um, be a cool Sunday school activity, though. Like find the possum. <laughs> I mean, that's what we do in West Virginia. Um, there you go. Yeah, you could you could have had some fun with that. I don't know, man. These suburbs, these suburbs <laughs> kids. Yeah, in Houston, that ain't, that ain't working. All right, well, let's let's wrap up with a f- speed round. Final three questions. What's a great book you've read recently? Uh, most recent book I read also, if the tomb is empty by Joby Martin. So, mm. um, really, this is a great book. If, um, and number one, it's good for your soul. It's one of those type of, you know, non-academic type books. It's really good for your soul. And I think it's a great book. If you have someone that you've been discipling or a, a new Christian, or even someone who's not a Christian yet, this is a perfect book uh, for them to check out. Um, even a non-Christian can dive in, appreciate it, and it'll lead them to the cross. Okay, sweet. Yeah, if the tomb is empty, yeah, by Joby Martin, eight two nine pastor down there in Jacksonville, yes, for the Church of Eleven Twenty Two. Shout out to you guys. Okay, where are you finding rest these days? How, how are you? How are you resting? I am finding rest in a good rhythm. Um, the past like couple of years, our elders have been really strict on me. I'm a I'm a worker, and I tend to overwork. And um, man, one of the really good things is just like um, our pastors making sure I take the the proper days off that I'm supposed to. Um, they made me use all my. Um, PTO days at the end of the year oh, last year. Them. So like the PTO days, we did, we got to use them or lose them policy. And I was like, oh, I'll just lose them. I don't need all these. And, um, I hit a 10 year seniority, which I'm like, we, we wrote in an HR policy, a 10 year, you know, when you hit 10 years, you get this before we were 10 years old. And, um, so I hit that. I'm the only employee cause I was the only one yeah. when we started, <laughs> uh, that hits 10 years seniority. And so I got like all these days off and, um, they were just cared for me really well. And so I got a ton of time off, um, over the holidays and, um, and then just, uh, the regular rhythm of, of making sure I Sabbath well, um, it's been, a, been That's a great great. rest to me. That's good. That's good. I like that. That's a great, great thing to consider and a great way to honor, to honor uh, your leaders and especially those that labor in preaching and teaching. Okay. What's a, what's a verse that's speaking to you right now that the Lord's just um, using to minister to your heart and to your soul? Yeah, we're going through the book of Ephesians right now. And, um, 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 is, has been a, a memory verse for my life. Uh, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I memorized it because it was a really short verse and easy to remember. Um, nailed it. But, uh, but man, there was a, um, I had, I had a basketball coach that, that really worked on strength in me, um, when I was in middle school and I had a little, I had a little Bible bookmark that, that my mom got me, um, that had that verse on it. And I kept that in my Bible like forever. And, um, and it was a reminder to me that, that as, as I, you know, physically tried to get stronger as a young man and in life and all that, um, that my power didn't come from myself. It came from the Lord. And so that's been kind of a life verse for me. But recently, even as, as we're, as a church jumping into Ephesians, we're in chapter four, mm-hmm. so we're coming up on chapter six. And, um, but the, the book of Ephesians has just meant so much and it's, it's so cool to preach through it. And so I'm having a blast yeah. doing that. It's wonderful, man. I love that. I love that. Well, Will, thank you so much, brother, for coming on the podcast and all the great work you're doing out there in West Virginia, serving A29 and uh, in New Heights Church. So grateful for you, man. Honored to be here, man. Thanks, Jeff. This episode was produced and edited by Aaron Logan. Show prep and research was done by Olivia Mead. And I'm your host, Jeff Metters. And let's keep planting churches worldwide.